Yes, Albion fans, hello and welcome to your weekly distraction from Premier League relegation battles in the form of Woodman Corner, the West Bromwich Albion podcast that brings a bit of fun, nostalgia and escapism to being an Albion fan. Uh, I am Graham Brown, uh, it's just me this week um, and we've got a bit of a treat for you, we'll be speaking to uh, Liam Ridgewell, so it's fairly recent nostalgia this week. Um, it's really great, he's a good bloke, answers the questions, uh, gives us a bit of insight um, we're also going to be uh, doing a bit of a uh, look ahead and we'll be speaking to West Bromwich Albion fan Matt Cannon about what he wants to see from the transfer window. Um, and early on in the podcast, I just want to make this point that this is a West Bromwich Albion fans podcast. So if you want to get involved, get in touch. Um, search Woodman Corner on uh, Google, you'll find us. You can find me, Graham Brown, I'm G-R-A-E-M-E, send me an email, get me on Twitter. If you want to come on the podcast, get involved. We're in the city centre now, so we're easy to find. It'd be good to uh, chat to some Albion fans. So anyway, uh, Liam Ridgewell, really, really pleased to track him down. The reason I wanted Liam for this podcast is because I get a sense that he answers questions. Uh, if you look back, he's been involved in one or two sort of small scandals, um, which he which he talked about on this podcast. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't want someone that just gave the club answers to things. We want people who actually will talk about it. And, you know, among the things he talks about, he talks a bit about the Roy Hodgson regime, uh, some dressing room pranks, including the response to his um, infamous uh, £20 on the toilet picture. Um, Pepe Mel and that infamous um, player reaction to his uh, player meeting from from when he was appointed. Um the story of Liam's departure, which he's still a little bit bitter about. His life in Portland these days, which is a fairly unique club. And uh, finally talking to him about his swimwear company, which, uh, which John Terry is an investor in, and just how him and John are, uh, are, are involved with it, including the question, which one of them likes budgie smugglers the most? So anyway, I'll get out of the way. Here I am talking to Liam Ridgewell. Uh, Liam, thank you ever so much for being with us on, uh, on Woodman Corner. We really appreciate it. And, uh, and every, uh, every former player we get on, we ask the, the same first question. Uh, tell us your favourite story from your time at the club. Uh, uh, Albion. Yeah. Uh, favourite time. Uh, favourite time, cool. I mean, a lot of, lot of favourite times, I think. We had a, such a good bunch of lads. We had a lot of you know, uh, boys that were similar ages and, and wanted to do well for the club, I think. Um, you know, always the, the probably funniest times was, was being with, with Roy Hodgson in, in the huddles and just before training because he liked to speak before we went in, into training and you know he'd he found us so long you, you forget what was said in, at, at the start <laughs> and you just wanted to get in at training. So I think you know it was just a good time. It was just a nice place to be um, and, and just a good place to be around and, and uh, really enjoyable. So you know I, I couldn't probably pick one part out. I mean probably the first big one was obviously my debut against Wolves where we won and won convincingly and performed so well so probably one that's probably sticks out of my mind that's for sure So are there any big dressing room personalities at the Albion? Is there, is there, is there any stories you can tell about uh, about any dressing room hijinks? <laughs> well, to be fair, I probably had the most one where I got stitched up with the, uh, the toilet <laughs> and when I came in the next day Stephen Reid and James Morrison had, uh, and a couple of others filled my filled my uh, Locked on uh, in the change room with all the toilet paper and everything. So as I opened it, it all, all emptied out and, and fell out on me. So uh, <laughs> that's probably the biggest one. Um, you know, the normal antiques of, you know, uh, take, taking stuff and hiding it and hanging people's clothes up and hiding cars so people couldn't find it. I mean, uh, that was probably probably the big ones. And obviously, once Craig Garner's a big character, I had a good time with Birmingham and done a lot of pranks there with him. And when he came 
obviously had a short time, but uh, you know he's always always a good crack in the change room. That's for sure. So I was going to ask you who who would be the principal culprit of hiding cars? But oh. is, is that is it a Craig is that a Craig Gardner thing? It was just a Craig Gardner thing. If, if he's around, that that would be a big one. That he'd be main culprit. I mean, we <laughs> uh, we me and Craig hit someone a CGO's car in uh, actually Masoose's car in Birmingham and hit it, and he was nearly going to call the police because it was his dad's car. <laughs> worried that it has been stolen, and uh, he went straight to Craig and then came for me. So uh, yeah, anything goes missing, or anything hidden, or anything done, it's probably Craig being bored and being injured and everyone else outside. So uh, you got to be careful there. So who was your mate, your best mate at the Albion? Yeah, I mean, we had a few. I mean, we went around. I obviously knew Byers Mile um, from my early, uh, young days at Villa, so I knew him very well, which was great. Um, Foz, you've got on really well with, because I knew him from him coming on loan to Birmingham. Of course, yeah. Um, James Morrison got on really well with. Um, Graham Dorans, uh, I only ran a corner for him, so got on really well with him. Um, you know, Stephen Reid, obviously got on really well with him uh, being an older one as well so we had we had a lot of good you know a lot of lot of players that got on really well with each other you know any Christmas party any any night out or any any social events there was there was a lot of people there which was good and, and that's the type of bond we had that's why we done so well in them, them two, two years as it was yeah, I think it really came across really, you know, as a, t- as a team. Yeah. You could kind of see that it was a it was a team that was um was sort of yeah. close knit, and, and a lot of them are still there, aren't they? You know, it, it, it's uh, it, yeah, people... it's no surprise to me. You know, that's what West Brom are. They are a team that work hard for each other. You know, want to make want to you know win the game, get three points for each other, want to work hard, and want to win the game together. That that is West Brom. That is their makeup, and um, you know that's why they've done so well over the years. And, um, you know, that's why I really enjoyed my time there. You know, I love working with people that want to work hard, want to win a game. And, uh, you know, it, it suited me perfectly, really. Can you think of a particular low point of your, your time there? West Brom, um, low point, I think probably Pep Mel coming in was probably a bit of a low point. Um, you know, not for myself, but pers- you know, not personally, but probably for the club, it was, wasn't working out well. Um, you know, there was a lot of language barriers that were going on. And it was just a difficult stage of, of what we were going through. We, we'd had a good season before, uh, you know. Steve Clark obviously going um, after a good season before was was difficult. You know, it was it was a real you know um, you could see how football was and how way it was going. You know, you have a good season, then you come in and don't do so well, and then you're out on your ear. Um, Petmel tried to come in and, and steady the ship and do a bit, but it just wasn't happening. It just wasn't working and. You know, things were falling apart and we weren't performing as we should have been. We weren't together as a team as we should have been. And you could see it, you know, every day coming training, it was a, it was a low point. So, and am I right in saying, did, did the, 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 some of the more senior pros, or maybe the, the club, the team in general, sort of try to take it upon themselves to point this out, didn't you? You know, the, the, the whole, you know, this isn't working right. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much that Mel wasn't working. It was more, it was more that the senior pros just wanted to show that we cared and, and that. You know, we wanted the club to do well, so it was more, you know, what anything that we could do as, as with with Petmel, with the gaffer, um, we try and do and try and work hard and, and make sure the club's doing the right way with Petmel. Yeah. But it came out that the senior pros were trying to go over his back and behind his back that they were trying to, you know, do stuff without him or without his saying. It wasn't that. It was a, it was just senior pros coming together to say, right, you know. If it's not happening, we need to do something. You know, that's what in every team, senior pros yeah. look to, to to make sure that the youngsters know what they need to do, and you take it upon yourself to to make sure the club does better. Because you know, people think that players don't care. They certainly do. When you're losing, they they get together and they 
they average each other and, and you get back to the drawing board. So he came out differently, but you know that's football. That's 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 what comes part and part of with, with him. And what about how you left Albion? Because I'll be honest with you, I've mm. you know, watched a lot of Albion since and we haven't had too many better people playing at left-back. You know, we've got Kieran Gibbs now who's a useful player, but it's been actually a, um, a tricky a tricky area. I mean, how, how did you feel about, about going? It must have come out of the blue a bit. Yeah, it did. I, I was on holiday. And then when I came back, just found out from agents and just said, you know, they're not going to not gonna renew it. And it was like, oh, right, OK. And then I thought, oh, um, you know, I've never been a player to dwell on stuff if, if, if things aren't going to work out and that's the way Albion wanted to go then okay fair enough you know Richard Garlick made that decision if he wanted to make a decision fair enough and uh, you know I wasn't going to sit there and cry about it and, and say you know you should sign me blah blah you know Richard Garlick didn't want me so that's fair enough so I, you know obviously I got I got a move to Portland which was fantastic and um, you know so glad I've done it and you know obviously leaving Albion when I did it gave me a chance to go to Portland and enjoy a successful spell there and uh yeah, it was disappointing to leave, but you know, football football uh, goes like that, and you know, Richard Garlick took that decision, and um, you know, he can't really change his mind once once he decides. Really, so yeah. you know, I've obviously kept an eye on West Brom and how they've been doing, and still speak to people. So, like you say, you know, Kieran Gibbs is a very good footballer, and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he did very well there. That's for sure. So, t- so tell us about uh, about Paul. It seems like a, a, a very unique atmosphere with chainsaws in the uh, in the in the stands. And so, what's, I mean, what, what's life like there? Have you, have you been finding it? You mean in Portland? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's great. It's fantastic. It's been a it's been an unbelievable experience. Um, you know, kids and family have loved it, and you know the fans are crazy, uh, which is great because it's, it's just like being at home really and playing football here, which you know the diehards about it, which really attracted me there and it was something that really appealed to me you know obviously from the the West Brom situation you know um, you know dragged on a bit and and, and left a little bit of sour taste in my mouth and I needed something different I needed something fresh and you know um, you know they they gave me that and it was a you know it was something I would have regretted not doing so I've been you know forever thankful for Portland um, making the call and and making it happen. I'd imagine that the biggest change to making that that kind of a shift to that that kind of place it's probably off the yeah. pitch rather, rather than on I guess what, is it a, is it a funny yeah. place to live it, it's, a, it's a great place to live it's, it's fantastic they've got you know 3,000 people moving there every single month it's the city's growing and getting bigger um, you know they do do direct flights from London now that's how big it's getting that's Brilliant. I keep saying that to everybody as soon as they start doing direct flights it's, uh, it starts to take off but yeah, yeah. it's a great place and, and great place to live and you know, when the kids come out and visit me and my family, um, Mrs. family come out and visit, they'll they love it. And you know, it's a difficult place to leave when you have to when they leave once the holiday's done. So uh, it's a good place, you know, good weather. So you know, you, you can't ask for much more really after that. It's, it's been it's been great. So, uh, and just for, why do they break out chainsaws? Then what's the story behind that? <laughs> so uh, I mean, it's just because tr- Oregon's so free. I think obviously a chainsaw is, is in with that. But when you score a goal. They break out a chainsaw and, and slice a bit of log off, off the uh, off the tree that they've got lying on the side of the pitch, and that's a bit of a memento for you. So <laughs> after the game, you come down if you get a clean sheet or you score a goal, you come and lift the log, and they're quite heavy as well. So uh, you've got to be careful with your back. So that's yeah, a safe uh, London boy. I'd imagine, I'd imagine you'd consider that quite brave having a chainsaw oh, around yeah, a football pitch. Right. Yeah, it's a good game. I mean, <laughs> when I first got there, I never knew what it was. I was sitting with the owner and said, "What's that noise?" He went, "That's a chain. That's Jerry with a chainsaw." I'm like. You what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Look over. I looked over uh, over the box and, and saw him walking around and thought, "Christ, that would never happen at home." You can't even get 
One of the reasons why we, why we really wanted you on the podcast is because I've always had a feeling that yeah. I've got this, I, I bleed a bit about modern footballers in that I, I don't blame them because I think it's probably the yeah. media's fault. But they never answer questions. They, you know, they're, they're very media. So I've always got the I'm impression that you're, that you're sort of someone who's happy to, to speak his mind. And, that, and, and I'd imagine, yeah. I don't know, is that ever caused you any bother in the, in the kind of modern game? Every now and again it does. I think obviously most of the time it depends on who I'm speaking to. Um, you know, I've had a good relationship with the media or anyone that's interviewing me and I've treated them well and, and they've treated me well and we've always spoke, you know, frankly and briefly and, and if something's said, they'll ask me if it's still all right to come in there. And, and to be honest, I just think, you know, as long as you're honest about stuff, people will, will respect that. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, like the, probably the Birmingham Villa thing was a big one for me, you know. I didn't do it for any other reason except for playing football and I think people started to respect that and understand why I did it and you know in any walks of life or any type of work you do stuff because you know it, it feels right and, and you don't just do it because of, of no reason so yeah, that's a good thing and, and throughout my career I've just been honest I've just tried to answer people's questions through bad times and good times um, no, I think, you know, it gets you to a good respect, I think. That's yeah, I think, it, I think it's secret. And, the, you know, the point before about, you know, actually going to play football. I mean, I increasingly think, actually, yeah. particularly in England, that, yeah. that that's not happening as much. People are accepting no. not playing football, which is a weird thing yeah. to do, isn't it, really? I could, yeah, exactly. When I was at Bill, I couldn't, I couldn't accept it. If, if I'd only played five games, fair enough, you know, then, then I still had stuff to learn. But I was... I was ready to be playing every single week. Yeah, I might, it might not, I might not thought I was old enough, but I was ready to play. You know, I wanted to play. I wanted to be involved, and I wanted to be out there, you know, fighting for the shirt. And he didn't agree with that, so I thought, well, hang on a second. Well, why can't I? You know, I want to keep playing football. I don't want to sit there and waste away by doing nothing, just training, not playing the weekends. You know, I want to play. I want to, I want to, you know, compete. So, you know, that's why I said I just went up. I basically just knocked on the door and said, look. I want to play football. If you can't offer me, I'll go somewhere else. And he was pretty taken back by that, and not probably not had many people come up to him and say that. Certainly at 23 years of age. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know the rest of the history, really. So, like you say, it's just being honest with people. And, and I think if, if if you're honest with them and give them a frank answer, you know they won't write, they won't try and get an angle out of you when they're when they're interviewing you. So yeah. uh, that's what I've done in my career, really. Yeah. Sometimes. When- People disagree with you, but oh well, that's what's that's, that's, that's life for you. <laughs> well, that's that's really to your credit. So, so, so now, not only are you a footballer, but you're an entrepreneur these days. You've got uh, your swimwear <laughs> swimwear brand, Thomas uh, Thomas Royal. How, how did that come about? Uh, so yeah, it come around. Obviously, you know, you're always looking for things after football. And me and my best mate Sam Saunders, we've you know we've known each other for for, for Christ, since we've been seven. So we've always always been talking about things after football and what can we be doing and keeping our mind, you know, doing stuff and, and coming up with stuff. And, you know, at first it was hats and tracksuits that people bringing out. And, you know, Sam suddenly thought about wanting for swim shorts. We were always at pool parties, you know, Vegas or Marbella or, you know, I'd be for every summer that we've gone to, either with a girlfriend or, or friends. So it was just a bit of a no-brainer, really. And he, he come up with the thought of just doing a blue band, a bit like the Christian the Boot on Red Soul. He thought of the blue band and he came to me one day and said, what do you think? And I thought, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, let's give it a go. Let's see, see, if, see if we like it. So it just went from strength, strength to strength from there, really. We just asked their mates to see if they liked them and they were like, yeah, we'd definitely buy them. And, and it went from there, it just got bigger and bigger. So uh, now I'm fine. So it was just, uh, it was just something that's grown 
strength to strength and you know now obviously John got on board um, which is fantastic he's he's really invested in it and enjoys doing it as well so we've got a lot of new products coming out and it's difficult for America doing obviously so we've got the girls in the office but you know just something to look after football to, to enjoy and, and try and uh, grow really So does this ever happen? Are you are you and John Terry sitting around strategising businesses or, or deciding what, what, a, what the next pair will look like? Are you, are you hands on with it and, is, and, and is, does he have a role in it as well? Well that question right now I'm sitting across from the table with John right now <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're in the office right now so Asking the question if yeah, me, John, and Sam sitting across from each other. Yeah, we're actually we're actually in the office today, um, talking over new products that we're bringing out, and um, you know trying to figure out you know um, who we can get the shorts on, what what shots we can get them into, um, new stuff to to come up with, and and uh, um, and well, so so that sounds fairly uh, sounds fairly hands on that. So so that, that leaves yeah. me with one final question: Who's the biggest uh, budgie smuggler fan out of you and John Terry? Who's the what? The biggest budgie smuggler fan out of you. <laughs> well, I like budgie smugglers. John, you like budgie smugglers, don't you? <laughs> so uh, I think yeah, that's me. I like a budgie smuggler. Well, yeah, me too. So, uh, I get a good tan for them, so I'd love for us to bring some out. So maybe in the future we might be right. <laughs> uh, Liam, that's been fantastic. Thank you ever so much for your time. I really appreciate no it. You're, you're appreciate a gentleman. It. Okay, brilliant. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Liam Ridgewell for that. I was, uh, I was really, really chuffed to get him on board. When, when we wanted to get kind of players involved with this podcast, I sort of knew that some kind of uh, players from, from um, years gone by would get involved. They've probably got a bit more time on their hands and they uh, you know, probably aren't multi-millionaires um, swanning around the, the world. Liam Ridgewell is a multi-millionaire swanning around the world, but to his absolute credit, I asked, got involved, and, he, and straight away he said yes. So, um, top man, thank you, Liam, for that. So, as promised, we're going to do a little bit of uh, of looking ahead now. I'm sat here with uh, West Brom fan Matt Cannon. That's me. Uh, I should also add at this point that uh, Liam Ridgewell, he's, uh, I'm pretty sure he used to play in the back garden with my ex-girlfriend and their little kids. Is that uh, right? Yeah, when we were growing up, yeah. So uh, and apparently he's a very nice guy. Very he, nice guy. So well, that just confirms, so. that confirms that confirms uh, that that, first. that rarity of a footballer who actually answers questions. So uh, so as a journalist, uh, good on him for that. So so I thought uh, Matt, we'd have a little bit of a chat looking ahead to the uh, transfer window. We are but a few days away. We've already confirmed Higazi as our sort of first transfer window signing. But um, I think we'd probably agree bits of the team need work. What what, what do you think? What part of the Albion team needs the most work? Well, not Hagazi, he's fine. Um, you'd probably put 11 of him on the field and you'd be all right. <laughs> giants good walking on, around him. Yeah. good on corners. Yeah, it's almost like when you create that player on FIFA. You know, you just give him ultimate stats and he's like <laughs> 8 foot 6 and you yeah. do everything. Uh, so that that's good news. Um, I, I, I think uh, I think it will generally okay at the back. Um, Pardew was talking this week about a lack of creativity um, and whether that's the way he'd go. I don't know because in the past he tends to go for getting some unorthodox forward and sticking him up front and seeing what happens. You sort of Denver Bar, um, I'm trying to get a Cisse they had at Newcastle as yeah. well. It was just rapid. He's like he's going to need he's going to need to put some pace in the side, and that's probably why he's turned to McLean. Um, he's McLean, not McLean. I checked with a Northern Irish friend. Uh-huh. Um, Insight. Yeah, quite. Uh, so I think he's going to go for pace and uh, someone with that sort of bandy bandyleggedness. Um, as an attribute, um, I think I think you've got to take it back to that midfield. I mean, the Albion always do better when Morrison's fit. That's just a fact. It's clear. Um, it's always been the case for the last like ten, eleven years. I mean, that's, that's been the way. And probably in the end, cost Pulis his job. That 
with with Morrison back in, he, he needs to get him in the centre of midfield, uh, and he needs to get him on the ball. Um, we need to start um, actually linking the, the the front and back of the side. I think. Yes, it's, I mean, do you think? I, I don't know that I would leap personally. I, I can see why Pardew might have, but I don't think I would leap to necessarily creativity. I would think we've got we've we've got two cards we haven't played yet, which is Morrison, as you have you said, and Chadley, who still hasn't played number ten under Pardew and hasn't really played number ten all season. Would that be your area that you'd look to improve on? Because uh, Chad, Chadley started great and his feet are fantastic. Um, unlike mine, as I just fall off my chair. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Chadley, uh, is, you know, is, is such a talented player. But has he ever really been that player you, you've hoped for? Well, for, maybe for five games. Uh, yeah. Maybe for five games. But and he's also he sort of comes in and out of games. Um, you know, there's been reports of uh, unsettlement uh, at times. I just think he, he you want to have a creative fielder who's the first first player on a team sheet every week and that just gets you it gets fans excited it makes games exciting yeah. more importantly and uh, it just gives us the opportunity to create stuff for people and rather having um rondon chase down you know um bouncy balls um god knows where near the corner flag yeah um it gives us a chance to actually have um if he can get someone in with a bit of pace to play up front um uh, you know that could work really well. Getting someone to actually put a three ball through. Uh, so, so have you got anyone? Uh, have you got anyone in mind? You mentioned James Morrison as someone that that uh, that that could could maybe potentially do that job. But in January, is anyone you particularly target? Uh, well, I mean, we can't do much. Well, you're pretty quick, in fact. Uh, so maybe <laughs> maybe you can, you can join our ranks. That's not that desperate yet. <laughs> um, I quite like Dwight Gale. To be honest with you, oh, yeah, I yeah. know Party knows him. I know we could maybe afford him. Um, it's clear uh, that. Uh, Benitez uh, is going to stay because he has to stay for the sale of Newcastle and, he, and it's clear he's going to want to make new signings I imagine that will include centre forwards mm-hmm. imagine to what goal be service requirements I think he's looked really good all season um, I think uh, he's looked lively he has got good control he can finish and he's got that pace to run in behind yeah. I think he could bring us further up the field um, which would just would just change the whole the whole nature of the side and with Higazi making those Sol Campbell-esque Beckenbauer-esque runs from deep huh. it might just we might just actually have a football team rather than a defence uh, yeah so that would, that would be my pick I think looking practically you know I'm, I'm sure I could list um, Neymar's and Settlement as, as an yeah. opportunity but I just don't think we're going to be able to, uh, to quite stretch that far well we're optimistic on Woodman Corner but perhaps not to that extent I think, uh, just throw a different name at you. What, do you what do you think about Daniel Sturridge it sounds like he might be available on loan he's, he's sort of loosely in a position that would be interesting what, yeah. what do you reckon yeah we were just talking about this I was really interested when you mentioned uh, you know Daniel Sturridge mm-hmm. he's local um, he still does a lot of work in the area he's obviously got his charity foundation which I think he's or foundation rather which I think his family runs for him, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's never really. I think when he was at Liverpool, Stephen Gerrard spoke about this is his last chance now to really make it a, a big club. Um, so there's the Albion kind of <laughs> waving, <Yeah>. saying, <laughs> "You've not quite done it." But from that one season, maybe two. Uh, so Daniel Sturridge would be a fantastic signing. He's such a talent. Uh, like you say, he's quick. He's got the skills. And you know, he's, he's one of the best finishers perhaps England's ever seen. I saw, I saw a stat the other day. Sorry, saying that. 
I think he was. I think he's the quickest player of the century to get to twenty goals for Liverpool in terms of number of games. No, is that right? Most Salah could equal him, and that just shows the impact he had when you went there. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a. He's an interesting personality. It would, it would appear to me. I mean, I think. I think there's lots and lots of advantages to him. We are. We are local to him. It's a World Cup season. If he's driven by England, this is an opportunity to get him there. He's the right age. You know, in that if he's ever going to do anything with his career, he's probably coming to a point now. You kind of hear these things about. Um, he seems someone who's going to kind of be uh, injured all the time and always thinks he's injured when no one else does. I feel like he's always 26 in my head. No yeah, year, he, seems, he seems to have been kind of around forever. I think it's almost as well, I and mean, my concern would be, it's almost sort of the antithesis of the signings we made when we were bringing in the likes of Fletcher and Evans to bring in the right kind of personality. That, that, you know, it, 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 he isn't that. But, I mean, he'd be... You've mentioned pace, you've mentioned finishing. He, he'd bring that, wouldn't he? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, I think it's a good shout so what about uh, right? So, so, so relegation. We are in the relegation zone at the moment. Uh, from on, on a scale of one to ten, one being uh, Villa last season and ten being Man City this season. Uh, how likely are we to get relegated? Do you think? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, got, it's got that stage where it's kind of the first thing you think about when you wake up now uh, is that you probably we, we could be facing relegation. Um, the lack of goals is worrying. Um, is, is really worrying, and that's why we're talking about who the hell can we get mm-hmm. in to save save the day. Now, uh, where where are the goals going to come from? I mean, you can't stay up if you don't score goals. You can't stay up if you don't win games. I think we've won what two games so far this season. Yep, the first two. Yeah, nearly nearly at the halfway stage. Mm-hmm. I mean. Normally, at the start of every season, you sort of go, right, let's get 10, 10 wins this season and we'll see where we are around that as a minimum, hopefully 12, uh, and see where you are. When you're at two, halfway, I mean, you, you, you're looking at four wins during the season. You need a lot of draws to stay yeah. off. I mean, I think Man United used to win the league, losing only four games, so it just shows where we are. Man City haven't lost one yet. No, I, mean, I, think, I, 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 yeah. I sort of think you're right. That the, uh, it, it's hard to make a case, it's hard without goals to make a case of staying up. And I think for, yeah. uh, one of the things about recent weeks is a lot of our rivals are scoring goals. You know, Huddersfield scored the odd goal. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think some of those teams down. I think Brighton are starting to struggle. I think Newcastle it's dried up. You've mentioned it, there's the kind of goals from about, but already you've seen West Ham, Palace, and that sort of thing. Does seem like that's going to need to be addressed before you know we, to, to get that scale for up from a one or two to a seven or eight. Would you say there are three teams worse than the Albion? Do you know I'm not I'm not totally sure there are. If if I had to name the three three, I would potentially name the three that came up. So I think I, I think if if you're talking about a first eleven, I think we probably have got. Better players than um, than the teams that have come up. I don't think we've got better players than Palace. I don't think we've got better players than West Ham. Uh, I think we potentially have got better players than the teams that come up, but very very seldom do three teams that come up go back down again. I don't. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I wonder when was the last time that happened. We should have checked into that. <laughs> it, it's not. It, it's it's an extreme rarity. Just of late, they they tend to stay up. But I think I think there aren't. You're struggling for three teams with poor team with poor players this year. I feel. Yeah, Palace have got they've got Roy. They're not going to go down. No, uh, they've got uh, Salah, Swansea. Maybe Swansea squad is yes. strong. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then that shows again with the lack of goals. If you don't have talent, you don't get the goals. Um, so I think I think uh, well Swansea is almost nailed on to go down for me personally. Um, I think Stoke has struggled, but there's still enough in that squad to get goals yeah. when it comes to the crunch. 
I don't know. And then you look at the championship. Are we better, are we better than in the championship? And you start, you start, you're going to open a whole can of worms here. Aren't you? <laughs> by the end of that this probably one. that probably speaks volumes that we've already leapt to the championship. But I think <laughs> I think we can but hope for a uh, for a brilliant January. Matt, uh, Matt thank you so much for, for joining us this week. Thanks a lot. And, and thank you all for, for joining us. Uh, thanks to Liam Richwell. Thanks to Matt. Um, we are, we'll be back again next week and, uh, and over Christmas every Thursday. So keep an eye out for us. As I keep saying, if, uh, if you like our podcast, tell your friends about it. If you don't like it, if you think it's rubbish, we're going to keep going. So get in touch and let us know. I've told you before how to, uh, how to get in touch. And thanks for joining us again on Woodman Corner.